again, the empowerment as well. That's something that can really weigh on black couples is when I don't necessarily feel I have power in my outside world or the, the life that I'm living outside of my home, I really, you know, I may not have a lot of power in my own relationships. Welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. I'm Leanna. I'm also Leanna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jared. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we are coming to you on a Tuesday evening. Yeah. In my niece's playroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there was piano being practiced in another part of the house that was driving you nuts. And Bachelor nights is usually Wednesday nights, but my mom asked if Jared could move, and then things got uh, miscommunicated because I, apparently I didn't tell my mom that Jared said yes, he could move, so she's still teaching piano. Anyway, um, so we're doing this intro a couple weeks before the episode will come out because I am... Um, you guys have already listened to the episode where the day of I had surgery and now technically I'm a week post-surgery. <laughs> <laughs> There's like so many complicated I know. verb tenses And there. you don't, you don't yeah. need to know any of that. But So yeah, but just know that what we're going to be sharing is back from... Like a week and a half ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we want to keep you guys as updated on our lives as possible. And actually, a couple of things have happened since... Yeah, me too. I haven't... Really? Well, I mean, yeah, because we I haven't really talked about my Valentine's Day. <gasps> you haven't talked about your Valentine's. On the last episode we recorded, you gave me some advice about yeah. it. Yeah. Of course, now it's like two weeks I know. It's going to be old. Yeah. It's going to be... So, apologies, but... But let's talk about the amazing guests that we have on the show today. Yes. Um, Teresa Thomas, we recorded with her about like maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, we've, Beginning had, of February yeah, we've January, been sitting yeah. on this episode. I wanted to make sure that um, it was a week where I could be really present to get it out there and market for it. And she's such an amazing um, woman. And we just, this is a beautiful conversation. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. Yes, at Resilient Love Therapy. Yes. Yes, and very cool, very cool conversation. Um, talks a lot about resilience, empowerment, and healthy relationships, so we dove into all of those and um, had a really good conversation. Um, we talk at one point about um, it's apparent to us as we are two white podcasters um, that we want to amplify viewpoints other than our own and experiences other than our own. So we had a cool conversation about that at the end of the show. Yes. So yeah, it was really cool. Also, we just paused this to listen to it. I am so sorry that the audio is a little echoey. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously we're not in our main spot right now because things got jumbled up. So we hope you guys can just Go along for the ride. Yeah, sorry we're not in our our usual studio. <laughs> yeah, our studio of Jared's couch. Yeah. Okay, I want to explain how white I am. Okay, okay. please. So I haven't, I haven't, didn't bring this up on the podcast, but like a month ago, I had this treatment done on my chest. 
Are you talking about like your physical fairness of skin? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Just check it. Yes. <laughs> so I had this treatment done on my chest to help kill like potentially precancerous cells. Oh, okay. Because I've had so many sunburns and I was like um, talking to my dermatologist and there were some wrinkles and she's like, actually, we have this treatment you can do. Your insurance covers it because it's pre, it's like precancerous. Or, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. It was so fucking painful. So you go in, you put this gel on and you let it sit there for like three hours and it's like a little tingly, whatever. Uh-huh. And then you go under this heat light laser thing Ooh. and you feel like your skin is boiling off. I'm not even exaggerating. Like it's 10 minutes of, and I had to have her stop three times because I'm, I'm holding this hose that's like spraying me with cold air, but it couldn't get cold enough. And I was like dying and like almost passed out. Anyway, so when I was done, it was like super red and tender, right? Were you tender, like right? screaming and crying? I did not cry. I did not scream, but I had, I had to have her stop it, you yeah. know? And so anyway, when I was done, it was like super tender. Like I didn't want to to touch it. And so then she put some sunscreen on and you're not supposed to go in the sun at all. Well, I don't really feel like I went into the sun, but apparently even standing by a window, going out to get mail, like anything like that can irritate it. Mm-hmm. Two days later, I ended up, it got infected. Oh no. And it was like, it had like pustules. Thing. I know it's so gross. It was, it was dark red. I was achy. I thought I had COVID. I was achy. I had a mild fever. So anyway, I they rushed me back in. I had to go on antibiotics. I had to put this antibiotic cream on, right? Okay. So then it's like heals up. And finally, I'm like, oh, thank God I can like move without being in pain again. Well, because it got so red, it's just now permanently red. I mean, I'm sure not permanently, right? <laughs> well, okay. So I am now having to go back to do a different type of laser treatment on it uh-huh. to help the red pigmentation that is still there what? a month later. Wow. So I have this red like outline on my chest of where the trauma that I went through. And then I had to go back and get another laser done, which hurt. It wasn't like Oof. nearly as bad, but it hurt. I have to go back two more times. Oh, man. I know. So that is how white I am. Or just a good uh, PSA for using sun protection. Oh, my gosh. I was so horrible growing up. So horrible. Mm-hmm. I got made fun of so bad for being pale. I just would just... I Did would you ever just... do tanning beds and stuff? I didn't do tanning beds a lot because I like didn't feel like I wanted to pay for it. But I would just lay out in the sun and just... Get like lobster red. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Oh, horrible. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Anyway. So that's my story. There's a nice diversion away from Dr. Teresa Thomas of Brazilian Love Therapy, but okay. Um so let's talk about Tushy. Yeah. Hello <laughs> Tushy Sorry, I just spit on you. That's okay. It happens. Why don't you t- why don't you talk about Tushy? So Tushy is uh, has a full line of bidet uh, products and various accessories that go along with that. There is uh, the one that comes most highly recommended from this crew is the Tushy Spa, 
mm. bidet, which has the warm water. Mm-hmm. And because that cold water can be pretty cold. That cold water is cold. Do I you ever you. Su- do you ever sometimes just accidentally turn the knob a little too far and it just like shoots it's up? It's like a jet that really gets and you. And it oh, it's like shocking. It's startling. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so Tushy is a sponsor. Um, if you've never used a bidet before, it's better for your body. It's better for the environment. Um, once you do, you'll never go back. Um, we're both like dedicated devotees. So if you want to support our show and get a 10% discount, it's hellotushy.com slash Hello and goodbye. Hello and goodbye. Yes. And that's the URL you use. And so all of the, it's not a discount code, but when you use that URL, all of the the 10% markdown will already be on there. And the 10% is only for the bidets. Yeah. So even though there's other product and um, like accessories on there, it's Mm -hmm. only for the bidets, which includes the spot bidet. Yes. Yeah. And we really appreciate any of our listeners like support Porting us through our sponsors. Go to our website, helloandgoodbyepodcast.com. All of our sponsors are there. If you can do this, it really helps. Um, I'll say this for Leanna, right? She loses money every month just to put this podcast out to people. Um, and we love doing it. We love our listeners. Any way you can support the show at all, um, the sponsors are great because that gives back a little bit to offset some of those costs. Um, but anything, right? Rate and review on Apple Podcasts that helps us get seen and, and, and noticed by other people. Um, tell a friend, you know, uh, just hitting us up on Instagram, hitting up our guests, let them know that you heard them on our podcast. Like all that stuff helps. We really, really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you, friend. That was well said. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of rating and reviewing. Mm-hmm. Um, one, we reached a hundred ratings. I know that's so exciting. Woo! I remember like years ago, like making a joke—not years ago, like months ago—making <laughs> a joke about how we couldn't like sit at the cool kids' table in, in podcast high school until we had a hundred ratings. Well, there you go. Now we're at the cool kids. Table. Now we can sit there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm excited, but that does not mean your work is done. No. You have to keep working. And um, also by this time, the review contest will have ended. But because we're recording so early, the winner won't be on this show. So you're going to be, you're going to have to wait a little bit. You'll be on the next show. We're going to really build up the suspense. Yeah, which really gives you a few more days to (laughs) to review if you're uh, lagging. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I think that's it for housekeeping. Yeah. What's happening in your life? Or should I go first? You can go first. Your Valentine's Day. Yeah, I had a lovely Valentine's Day. Um, So you gave me really good guidance on... You suggested flowers, but actually my uh, partner is a big... Is like loves chocolate more than anything Mm. in the world. Who doesn't? I guess this is a California thing, but like C's candy is a big deal. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. My parents are way into C's candy. Really? And I, I feel like, like that's an old person thing. I've never been there, so I had to go to the store. Oh my gosh. Like whole thing. Anyway, so I got her a bunch of chocolates, which she was really excited C's candy about. is really good. It is, it is very tasty. I, mm-hmm. I had did one you of get, Did she like milk or dark? Dark. Okay, good. I'm we way can be friends dark. I still have yeah. not met her. When am I going to meet her? Oh yeah, that's true soon. That'd be great. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um... So, but the really good advice you gave me was to do the handwritten card, which is like something I'd like to do. And um, 
I shared from the heart, and I think it was very appreciated Aww. and stuff like that. And so we had a lovely day. We went for a hike, and then we I cooked us some filet mignon and oh, roasted yum. root vegetables. And um, oh, you're really holding out on me over here. I know it's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was wonderful. That's great, friend. Yeah. And did she get you anything? So I did the whole thing where I like I like to under promise and over deliver I like to go in with low expectations so i was like we're not like doing gifts or anything for valentine's day right and she was like yeah she no, gets you no, a rolex no. <laughs> wouldn't that be great no she did get me a cute little gift that was more like a funny thing that we had joked about and stuff oh, like okay, that good. that's perfect yeah. that's way that's it worked out perfect. amazing yeah 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 so well, we good. had a good time yeah it was well, nice good. yeah thanks for steering me right you're welcome <laughs> i get gifts gift giving if you guys need advice on gifts, you are welcome to DM me anytime and I will give you ideas for gifts. I, it's just, it's just a God-given talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You are really good at that. Thank you. It's true. Um, okay. So I'll go. Please. So on last week's episode, I was talking about this guy. Yes. What's the latest chapter? Okay. So I think you had said... Oh, okay. You asked me what I suggest your next move be, and I say I said wait. So I cut that part out of the episode. Actually, I cut that uh, conversation out. So there was a part I cut out at the end of last week's episode that talks about me. I actually received a text in the episode. I just felt like it wasn't appropriate at the end of the episode because I wanted it to not steer away from the conversation that we had had. Oh, okay. So anyway, he had texted me back and been like, hey, no worries um, about me canceling plans on Valentine's Day. And he said, uh, just get some rest and do your thing or mm -hmm. whatever. And so I asked. He's so nonchalant. I know, seriously. <laughs> and so I asked Jared, like, what do I do with this? Like, he, there's no like, um, I'll reach out to you. We'll find a different like, time. Are you okay? Are you interested in it? Yeah, time like nothing. There was none of that. I so, still want to see you. Yeah, yeah, so your response was, I was like, what am I do, supposed to do with this? And your response was like, just sit on it. Well, yeah. I didn't do that. <laughs> That's the one thing that you're. <laughs> I'm horrible at it. I did wait an hour. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what I did is I actually just sent a voice text because mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's really hard to hear. Um, intonation sure. and I just like since he's not really a texter I just mm -hmm. thought okay maybe he'll just repeat, uh, appreciate like a voice text so I just said hey listen like thanks for understanding I just you know the internet sucks at our office and I want to make sure the class goes well and I think I'm going to be tired I said but honestly like if you want to hang out another day this week just let me know like I could I'm free Monday night so when you send a voice text it shows when someone's read it because it disappears yeah he read it almost immediately and then waited another nine hours to respond. Yeah. And the response was um, something along the lines of, I can't meet tomorrow, but I'll text you tomorrow and we can try and find another time. Mm -hmm. And so then I just thumbs up it mm -hmm. and I said, happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Because mm -hmm. it was fucking Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah. That's the nice thing to do. Sure. No response. Did he text me the next day? No. Nope. Yeah. So today I lit him up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Here's why. Like classic Leanna, Here's why. Like, like tongue lashing. <laughs> Here's why. Okay. Um, so I screenshot. <laughs> so I, I just, you know, in thinking about what we talked about in the last episode about how there were things that made me feel really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and then that I felt like he was maybe just more interested in me for my body kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Mm-hmm. And then like just the fact that it takes you more than 24 hours to respond to a text and then say, saying something like, I will text you, blah, 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 blah. And then not doing it. That, that fucking drives me nuts. Like follow through is so big for me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just said, so the last thing I had sent to him was happy Valentine's by the way, smiley face. No response. Mm -hmm. Nothing all day yesterday. So today at 10 a.m. I was like, hey, I'm a little frustrated that you didn't text me when you said you would. Also, not responding to the happy Valentine's is hurtful. It's not that hard to send a text. I don't think this is going to work. And maybe you had already come to that conclusion. It doesn't make sense to me how it would take more than 24 hours to respond to a text. And it stirs up my anxiety. I also feel like you see my body more than you see me. I'm not saying that's true, but that's how the situation has made me feel. That's why I wanted to talk to you in person to hear where you were. You're a super cool guy, and I still appreciate you for who you are. I would love to be your friend and won't be shy when I see you in the hall. Hmm. And then his response was, Ah, my bad, Leanna. I don't stay connected to my phone and partake in technology fasts. Okay. My, I don't say connected to my phone and I partake in technology yes. fast. Okay. My bad not texting you yesterday. Thank you for the Valentine's Day text. No worries. I tend to disconnect every now and then and I understand that can be hard to navigate. Mm, okay. So then I just said, thanks. I mean, disconnecting is different than saying you're going to do something and not doing it. Like, I just want to make sure we leave on a note where I'm right. Okay, and then he responded, um, yeah, my bad, or something like that. So, first of all, my bad is not an apology. Yeah. If he were really... I mean, I think all of his demeanor is like... It's very, like... Well, but she's showing you, like, even the not texting back, even the, like, taking a long time, he's like... I'm conveying to you through my action. And, like, this is not a bad thing. People do people communicate in this way all the yes. time. I'm conveying to you in my actions where I'm at. Yes. Which is, like, not really that interested in meeting your needs and whatever. And that doesn't make him a bad guy. Like, that's cool. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just, he like... Just, he just wasn't there. Yeah. And, and so I just... I had to send those texts because that created closure for me. Mm-hmm. If I just keep it of, like... Okay, let's say, like... He, I just didn't respond ever. Well, guess what's going to happen five days later? He's going to text, hey, how are you? And then I'm going to get roped back in. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Why can't you, like, okay, this guy's told me who he was. I'm not going to text back. And then five days later, like, you just, you you don't reply to him. Well, maybe, maybe I would. Mm-hmm. But I had some things on my plate today, and I felt like to really, like, focus on them and not worry if his name popped up on my phone. Mm. I needed to create the closure today. Mm-hmm. Will he text me down the road? Probably. Mm. Or maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still going to run into him. Yeah, who knows? Um, but I I had like a little bit of a cry. No. Like not because of him, but it was more of like it felt disheartening to me that like oh, I am going to be dealing with this again. 
Oh, yeah. You know, like, I had finally, like, gotten in a relationship with someone who was really lovely and, like, we had love for each other and it wasn't game playing and it wasn't, like, it was very clear that I was a priority for him and now I'm back to this shit. But, but, I'm trying to stay positive because I'm coming back to dating now with a different mindset of, like, all these things that I say to myself, like, I am worthy of secure love. I There's an abundance of amazing men out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, I used to come to dating with, like, honestly, the underlying of, like, I hate men. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I would go, I would, I'm a, like, I have a fear of men. And I would go on these dates, like, with that fear and that mm. resentment and, like, that doesn't just automatically kind of like closing off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's something I'm working through. That you have that new awareness and that new approach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because there was a, there was a time today when, when, you know, I was just like, I fucking like (laughs) so mad. Um, But so then I was like, I was sad and I was kind of frustrated and I felt kind of blue. And then my dad called me. So my dad works at a hospital. He's a physical therapist and they have been vaccinating family members who fit in the tiers. So for instance, like they allowed um, 65 older and then they allowed educators. And today for some reason, they just had some extra doses that they didn't want to waste because the dose expires. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that he had been on the list, and so they called him, and we rushed down there, and I got my vaccine. That's so amazing. So I'm vaccinated. Well, I have my first dose of the yes. Pfizer vaccine. Um, so far, I got it at three. It's six hours later. So far, I just have a sore arm. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard usually it hits about 12 hours in. Mm-hmm. So I can let you guys know later, but I get my second dose on March Ninth, and then I'll be fully vaccinated. That's so awesome. And I and I want to say this with a lot of gratitude because I know that I am not one of the ones who like desperately needs the vaccine, and yeah. so I feel very very grateful. And I don't want to be super boastful because there's probably some of you that are listening to this and being like, oh, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like I still can't get it. And here's this 34 year old like healthy yoga instructor that yeah. got it, and it honestly just happened because of my dad working in the hospital. They don't want the to waste. go to yep. waste. And, um, well, and that's the I thing. just got super lucky. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that. And it's like, but also, like, no single vaccine should go to waste because any, every single person who gets vaccinated makes the world a little bit safer for all of us. Yes. Even, even those of us who are unvaccinated, yes. right? That's sort of like how herd immunity works and, mm-hmm. and it's really important. And so, yeah. Well, yeah. So. And then now me being vaccinated, now you're a little safer. Exactly. Right. When yeah. we hang out or let's say you or your girlfriend or someone, then I don't have as much exactly worry to bring yep. it back to my family. So anyway, yeah. So I feel good. I feel like, I've, I've let that I've released it. I've let it go. And I, I wanted, I also felt an urgency to let it go because of my surgery coming up. I didn't want to go into surgery being like, is he going to text me? Is he not going to text me? Like he's not going to text me. (laughs) I think he's made that very 
clear. I think you also made sure of that. <laughs> I did. And I have no regrets about it. Exactly. No, I have no regrets. I don't I yeah. wasn't mean. I didn't name call him. I didn't yeah. I wasn't rude. I was very like how it is and how it was yeah. and how I saw it and how it made me feel. And mm-hmm. you know, if he like really felt something for me, he would have fought maybe a little bit harder, but yeah. I'm glad he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, what else is there to say? There's nothing you else got to it. say. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's that's like a pretty short intro. We just I know. There. We did good. Yeah. Enjoy the episode. Yes. Everyone. Enjoy the episode. We'll see you at the end. Okay. So I am so excited to welcome our next guest. She is the owner of Resilient Love Therapy, a licensed marriage and family therapist and life coach in North Carolina. Her educational background includes a bachelor's in psychology and master's in couples and family therapy. She has eight years of experience providing therapy, coaching, and counseling in a variety of settings, such as local community agencies, shelter schools, and online with a vast network of national and international clients. She's also a happily married mom. Teresa believes in the power of resilience and getting to the root of issues by working through past experiences and healing relationships. She helps clients feel empowered to create a life and relationship they desired. Um, We are so excited that you're here, Teresa Thomas. Yay. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Um, We have so many questions for you today, and I'm so excited to get into kind of the depth of the conversation. But if you could just start off by maybe giving our listeners a little bit more of a background on how you got into this field and and what really it entails for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, again, I definitely appreciate just being here. And I appreciate you all for the invitation. Um, so uh, like you said, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. And originally just getting into therapy um, kind of started off as more of a kind of career decision for me based on a high school psychology class that I took. Um, that was kind of my first introduction to just therapy as a profession or even just a um you know, kind of a mental field, right? So just a way to define life, a way to define your experiences, maybe even explaining some of the personalities or just parts around, you know, things around us. Um, But also I do have personal experience with those in my life or just even in my community who also experience different type of mental illness or uh, even just relationships in my own personal environment that I'm sure could have uh, benefit from that type of experience. And so I really connected with the, the theory of it and kind of the practice of it, but also really connected with how we could help others, you know, people mm. in my life, but also, you know, those around. So then I did decide to go to um, University of Louisville for my bachelor's degree. I got that in psychology. And that was where you really learn about kind of the general, again, general sense of psychology, but you really hone in on what you want to practice and, you know, kind of how you're going to apply it to your career and your master's degree. Um And for me, I really connected with using therapy to help relationships. Um, Mm. We all have relationships in our lives. And a lot of psychology, a lot of therapy talks about how much your your relationships influence just your experience, whether that be from childhood, your parents, your first, you know, friendships or even romantic relationships. So I really honed in on, you know, putting that as like the focus of personal growth work, whether it be individuals or yes, through couples therapy. Um, So that was really, again, through my master's program, especially because it was centered around systems and, you know, couples and family therapy. It really kind of geared me towards thinking about the world and even just, again, improving your own life 
through the lens of your relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just really enjoyed it. You know, I started doing therapy with couples and finding that not only was I good at it, but it really did work. You know, it was mm-hmm. something that I had couples who were sharing more about their transformation or even within the room, seeing that happen, it's amazing. So that's more of, again, kind of where I started and, you know, where I really find home a little bit with helping Mm -hmm. others. That's beautiful. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. And, you know, your practice is called resilient love, right? And, Mm -hmm. and you talk about, um, you know, that you focus on three things, right? Resilience, empowerment, and healthy relationships. And so mm-hmm. I'm really interested in sort of diving into those one by one, mm-hmm. um, especially the first two. So first, what is resilience? And what are some signs that I might need to work on resilience? And then how does one do that? Yeah, definitely. So resilience for me is more being able to handle what life throws your way. Um, Mm. not only handle it, but be able to, um, bounce back, be able to respond in a way that helps you move forward. Um, and so life throws a lot at us, you know, and even relationships throw a lot at us. And so being able to handle some of the trials and tribulations, the challenges, um, that's important. Um, and again, resilience is more about just your ability to handle it, but also moving forward and what it's Mm. like to be on the other side of it. Um, now when you talk about signs or ways that you, you feel like you might need to work on it is one, you know, what are the things maybe that are in your past that are still showing up? You know, Mm -hmm. do you feel like you often think about things that aren't really happening right now, but happened to you a while ago? Um, or even when things do show up, what is it like for you to respond? Do you feel like you're okay when, you know, small or big things happen in your life? Um, are there ways that you might respond that are a little bit more destructive to yourself or to, you know, the relationships that you have? Do you cause more trouble when things happen or do you feel like you're able to gather yourself or, you know, your partner and work a way through it? Mm. Um, so really trying to look at, okay, when things have happened, maybe yes, in a negative way or in a challenging way, how did I respond? You Mm. know, was I able to, again, add to more of the productivity or moving forward or do I feel like I you know, felt defeated? Do I feel like it really got the best of me? Were my responses more destructive than constructive? So those would be kind of the signs, again, whether it be just in your individual life or yes, in your relationship of when you're faced with challenges, how do you respond? Are you able to to move forward in a a healthy way? Mm -hmm. That's so, it's such a fascinating concept because we haven't talked about that really on the Mm -hmm. podcast yet. And right now in my own life, I feel like, I feel like my cup is full. Like Mm -hmm. it's full and it's overflowing right now. I don't have room for one more thing to go wrong. Yeah. And the, even the little things that have been going wrong, like, I feel like I'm going to explode. Like I don't, so how do you manage that? Like when you have Mm -hmm. nothing to give anybody else, and you have no space for anything else to go wrong in your life. Like how, how can you be resilient? Right. Absolutely. Well, one, I would say the first part is acknowledging that you have a cup in general, you know, that it can fill up. Um, because I think when people think about resilience or being able to handle things, you know, we think about that, like, Superman syndrome, right? The idea or superwoman syndrome that we have to handle it all, that it has to be something that you can just keep 
putting things in your cup. Um, and so if you do acknowledge that, hey, I have space, right, but it's it's limited or there is a cap to it, then it's important to put systems in your life to help maintain that, right, to help bring yourself to a more stable place or a more um, a clearer place, right? So when I hear you talk about there's so many things going on, you might need to think about how do I, whether it be daily or just on a consistent basis, how do I maintain my experience of those things? You know, are there things that I might need to start shifting around so that the choice or priority of just my experience of it is a little bit more than maybe a sense of duty or responsibility or all of those other things that factor into it? Mm -hmm. Um, Because you can't show up for all of those things you mentioned that are in your cup if you're not able to, you know, be your best. Right. Mm -hmm. So, again, resilience. Yes, it's about kind of being able to handle when things come your way. But a lot of what I help with my clients is what are the systems in your life right now that are making you operate at such a, if anything happens, right? Like Mm. anything happens, like you said, I will overflow or, you know, that's it. Uh, We don't want you to get to that place at all. So how can we backtrack to, to really think about your systems again, whether it be in your individual life or in your relationship that's making you run on that, uh, that low simmer. I always like to say it's like a low simmer. If they mm-hmm. turn up the heat just a little bit, it's going to boil over. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my first suggestion. You know, what are the ways that you, you know, empty that cup a little bit? Or are there times where you have to shift the priorities to what your actual experience is throughout the day to day? Because things are going to happen, right? Like, that's just inevitable. So you have to make room and make sure there's room for them um, as well. What are some examples of how to empty your cup? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I think it would have to really be, again, something that's specific to you as well. And depending on what you know is filling your cup, first is really considering what are just those five senses, right? Like my personal lived experience is, you know, touch, taste, smell, all of that, right? Am I feeling um, heightened? So let's start there. What do I do to calm down? You know, what do I do to center, again, my mind and my emotion, taking a deep breath, taking moments, you know, throughout your day to just check in with yourself. Um, But also, yes, greater systems of, are there certain boundaries you need to be placing in your life? Whether that be boundaries for yourself, hey, I work, you know, these boundaries for work, this time versus, you know, this time to this time, or boundaries for the people in your life. You know, are there certain people in my life that, you know, whenever we do this or whenever, you know, you know, we're in this activity, it just is too much for me. It takes up too much space. Do I need to, you know, create different boundaries so that I can, again, maintain at a more balanced place? That I'm not, you know, too filled up or, yeah, even too empty. But again, I think it's more just about that self-reflection to really consider, you know, where am I? Check in with yourself, but also those greater systems of how do I just make sure, you know, that I don't even get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think, like I said, it does have to be specific to you. You know, really think about what helps you calm down, what helps you be in a more clear mental space. Um, and how consistent are you doing those things? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I love that you bring up boundaries and I even think about people like for me at work, like 
when can I almost having boundaries with myself? And so like, like mm -hmm. when is something going to be good enough? You know, and yeah, the, you know, like, yes. like sometimes uh, great is the enemy of good and like kind mm -hmm. of having the like, Hey, it's okay. If like, I'm not doing everything perfectly right now. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and kind of like taking that approach. I also think a lot of, you know, like what you just said, Teresa makes me think a lot about, and this is something I, I struggle with, I think of like, when I do have downtime, like, what do I do with that time? Cause I can just fill that time in ways that don't actually like nourish and replenish me. It feels like, like, I just, you know, like you get lost on your phone and Instagram mm -hmm. or Twitter, or mm -hmm. if you're me, Reddit, but it's hard when you're already at this max capacity place to sort of like re to like reconfigure that and go, okay, hang mm -hmm. on. Because all of the things that I find most nourishing I have to be more intentional about, right? I have to like plan ahead of time, like to get together mm -hmm. with a friend or like, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I find like once I make that shift, it like, it brings down the, it, it brings down the simmer like mm -hmm. by a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I like what you said, you know, just the idea of the intention, but I want you to maybe start thinking about what is my intentional feeling? What do I want to feel? You know, mm -hmm. maybe not necessarily what I want to be doing, but what is my ultimate goal in this hour? What do I want to be feeling? What do I want to be thinking? Um, because you might find there's a little bit more variety in getting to those feelings and getting to what you really are, again, trying to use the activities or trying to use the, the things you're feeling with that time, trying to get to that, again, that feeling of, okay, I'm rested, I'm you know relaxed, or I feel you know that my cup is being emptied, right? Mm -hmm. So trying to get more creative, I think starts with, what are my ultimate like goals for my feelings, my emotion, my state of being right now? Um, that way, again, you can kind of start with, okay, not necessarily the quickest way, but what are some ways that I can start to get creative around getting to those feelings? When was the last time I did feel that, hmm. you know, or what were the, the things that really like I went to maybe when I was younger or things that I just forgot all about that I can bring back. Um, so that would be my, you know, my next thing is, okay, if it's hard to fill that time with things you're doing, be intentional about how you want to feel, be intentional about how, like the results of those activities so that you can maybe get creative and get to more of the root of what you're really looking for. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is in order of our questions that we sent you, but um, <laughs> how would resilience then look specifically in dating? Because I think, yeah. you know, um, I think dating can be, well, relationships too, but I, I'm thinking more of that you're on the dating apps or you meet someone and it's mm -hmm. just so much anxiousness and then it works out or it doesn't work out and then you're mm -hmm. on to the next or you get ghosted or this happens. And yeah. it's like, there's so much of that that can just really like tear you down. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to like come back from that and come back stronger, right? Absolutely. Um, so how, I guess, what are some ways that we can be resilient when we're in that stage? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, I definitely agree because I do coach, um, you know, and counsel people who are, who are dating. And, you know, one of the, the first things I really encourage is having a thought about what your process is when you are dating. Um, mm. especially around, again, I heard you talk, we were talking about boundaries, but also kind of the expectations you have around your mental and emotional boundaries during that, those stages. So I heard you talk about, you know, when you first, you know, swipe left or right, right. Or however you meet someone, 
where are you when you first are talking to them and the um, messages. Be intentional about, again, the mental and emotional space that you allow those conversations or meeting and that meeting stage to go. Um, Because again, I think the resilience is being able to have systems that really maintain so that you're not feeling like, gosh, like all of these experiences are adding up, you know, because like you said, it could be a very, a a variety of um, experiences, or even you might hit different stages with different people. Um, And so being able to kind of be more intentional about your stage, like where are we in the stage of dating? just for yourself, right? Understanding, hey, like at this stage when this has happened or we've had this conversation, this is where I should be emotionally. This is where I want to be mentally Hmm. versus, you know, maybe a little bit further down the line, I might open up a little bit more boundaries with that so that, you know, if I do get ghosted or if there are things that happen, I have a little bit more awareness of where I am in that stage and how to respond accordingly. Um, Because when things do happen, especially with dating, it can still affect you, right? Even if you weren't in a relationship with someone, or even if you, you know, just started, you know, dating them, it can still impact you. And so you want to have ways that you respond at each stage. You see what I'm saying? Or at each kind of level of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm almost like, and tell me if I'm getting this right, but I'm almost picturing this idea of like, okay, uh, maybe I met this person and, we've had two dates and they've gone really well and I'm excited and maybe my instinct or my pattern is to sort of start like texting them every day. And I think the idea of like setting that intention ahead of time and like recognizing like where I am with them and Mm -hmm. how much I want, how much of myself and my time and energy I want to invest. Mm -hmm. I might go, you know, if I had done that work ahead of time, I might go, you know what, like, I really don't know this person that well yet. And if I start Mm -hmm. texting them every day, and then the third date is a disaster, Mm -hmm. then that'll be much worse for me. Like, is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. That is exactly it. Right. And like you said, you know, you know yourself in the probably the ways that things have gotten carried away or when without that intention, maybe the spaces that you kind of left yourself vulnerable to. You know, and so I I definitely think, like you said, thinking back to your own history or your own tendencies, sometimes your own habits of do I take this at the pace that's healthiest for me, you know, or are there ways that I would like to slow down or are there ways that I would like to even set a mark for myself? You know, I heard you say I tend to do these things. Is that okay or not at this stage? You know, so sometimes, you know, it can feel a little bit like man, you're taking all the the love out of it or you're taking, you know, the spontaneity out of it. But it's more just having just this overall, you know, idea or system, again, in your life that when I'm dating someone, when I first meet them, like you said, this is what happens. Or, you know, I kind of stop myself from doing these things. Um, I think it really does help, like you said, just to have those small ways you might track along the way. Can you you share uh, what are some of the, like, systems that you have, you know, like, and what are some of the ways that you find that like nourishment and replenishment? Cause I'm sure in your career, in your life, sometimes mm-hmm. you hit that, that high simmer, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think for me, especially because of the profession that I'm in, a lot of my, 
my work is about releasing things because I feel like I'm really ingesting a lot. Um, and whether that be just from talking to people and their lived experience or yes, my own, especially. Um, and so I do a lot of yoga meditation and again, kind of taking myself from just that field, everyone's, you know, issues, everyone's, you know, progress and where we need to go and my own personal things, you know, of, taking myself from that space to more grounded, you know? So again, whether that be yoga or meditation, um, but also I do plan out my breaks. You know, I do plan out the the times where I give myself, you know, a few days to not have any sessions or, you know, even within a day, sometimes I ask myself, okay, where are we? How much space do we have? You know, because I can have a lot on my calendar, but, you know, I need to be able to be in a place where I can prioritize my space as well. So sometimes that would be me saying, hey, I, for this week, this is what I'm really going to need to prioritize as far as my own mental or emotional, you know, just health. You know, I might even change some things around, um, whether that be timing or my agenda or sometimes, yeah, it is about canceling on things. But sometimes, again, it's more about taking that extra step to evaluate where are you, how much space do you have, and whether that be kind of formally through yoga or meditation, or just I'm looking at my agenda, you know, this thing, it can go, I don't need it. You know, I put it in, I thought I was going to be able to do it, but it's okay, I'm not. Um, so those are kind of some of the the things that I definitely use to, again, more release, you know, and kind of put myself in more of a choosing to keep going. Right. But also prioritizing when the rest is necessary. Hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause I know so many people who either work in helping professions, right. Even, even mm -hmm. friends of mine who are like nurses, you know, like there's so much heaviness that they take on of like other people's mm -hmm. emotions or just experiencing with others, like really difficult, heavy things. And it's mm -hmm. so easy to get weighed down by it. Mm -hmm. And I love that image of like, you're sort of taking it in and honoring it, but like being able to release it and sort of like mm -hmm. let it flow through you rather than holding on to all of it and just getting crushed by the weight of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I think another thing for me personally is, you know, I heard you talk about like that expectation we have for ourselves and kind of the, the great versus good. And, um, you know, I mentioned even just that, that superwoman type of thing. That's something mm -hmm. that I also have personally had to shift my perspective on of, you know, the idea of what does hard work mean? You know, what does hard work look like? Um, does that mean you start and never stop? You know, does that mean that no matter what's going on, you just keep going? And for me, no, it doesn't. You know, for me, hard work is operating in my, you know, my present space at the capacity that I have. You know, yes, challenging myself, but also, like you mentioned, honoring the space that I do have and that it is limit, limited and that it's okay. Um, that also, again, has been more of a personal, even just reassurance sometimes within my yoga or meditation, or even just throughout the day, I'll say, Hey, I don't have to do it all. Right. Or I've met, you know, a sense of success in this way and maybe not in this way, but that's okay because it's balanced. So just reassuring myself, I think with that as well, helps me to feel a little bit more, again, resilient in a way of like, even if something were to come, you know, I feel like I can still keep going because I've celebrated some successes and I haven't been too hard on myself that, hey, I've got to carry it all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good shift into kind of empowerment, right? And I'm mm -hmm. sure mm -hmm. a lot of folks like me, like you hear the word empowerment and you're like, that sounds awesome, right? Like, great. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in. And mm -hmm. um, 
So like, what does that word mean in your practice? And like, why do you find it so important? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, I just think that empowerment is the sense of power or the agency that you have in creating your life or the relationship that you want. Um, you know, oftentimes when I am in a place of starting with clients, whether it be individually or, or in a relationship, they're feeling like, you know, they don't really have a lot of control over what's going on. It feels like whether it be just things just happened that way or they're not really sure how to move forward. It feels like, you know, they've made so many mistakes thus far. You know, how could they even, you know, keep going? Or yeah, maybe so many bad things have happened. You know, they've had so much pain or so much hurt that it's like, what do I do now? Um, And so reaching out for help is definitely the first step. But a big part of empowerment for me is giving them more of that agency back to say, I'm the creator of my life, right? I'm the creator of my relationship. I'm the one that can decide how it looks, whether that is how it looks in the best way or how it looks in, you know, the worst way. Um, But also I'm the one that can propel us forward as well. You know, a lot of my clients feel stuck in where they are. And so, especially within a relationship, you want to feel that, you know, even though you've had difficult times or even though things have been rough at that point, you still have what it takes to move forward or you can still together find out what it takes um, and reach back into, again, the strengths you already have, but also just reassuring yourself, you know, and allowing yourself to be and use that power um, within your life. Because uh, again, I think we can get to a place where we feel defeated or even just that, okay, everyone else's opinion matters or, you know, there's so many other things influencing our choices um, that we don't really necessarily, again, take a hold of our own power. Uh, to create what we want, you know, and the relationship that mm-hmm. we want to. Wow. Yeah. And just to kind of like put that into perspective for our listeners in a personal account, like, mm-hmm. you know, going from the, okay, my cup is really full right now. And so then my cup is full. And so the resilience is down. And because the resilience mm-hmm. down, then everything that I'm insecure about is right at the forefront of my brain. Like I'm 34, I'm living with my parents. I've made this Mm -hmm. poor decision and this poor decision. And that created a situation that I'm in now. And Mm -hmm. this is happening. And I did this to myself, but this person is better. And why don't Mm -hmm. I have that life and all these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I have to choose to take my power back. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I can live in that almost like victim nature Mm -hmm. of like, woe is me. Mm -hmm. My life is shit right now, which, okay, I'm allowed to think that or say Mm -hmm. that. Right. But Mm -hmm. I don't want to get stuck in that. Mm -hmm. So I have to choose to, to like, be like, no, like, this is what I'm going to do to, to improve on this. Okay. I have no control over that. So moving Mm -hmm. on from that and then so on and so on. And then once I'm able to do that, then my cup starts going down a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So it just like, yeah. it all, it all kind of goes together. And I think just to kind of normalize all that for our listeners, mm-hmm. I, you know, we all, we all deal with this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Know? And you know, that's something I definitely, you know, I share with my clients, especially in the beginning, right? Cause a lot of the resilience is more in the proof right? Of your empowerment, right? It's what shows up after you do have, you know, those systems in place. And, you know, it's just that act that you can, you can pull out of your pocket, right? But with the empowerment, that's a lot about lifting the weight of all of those things you just mentioned, 
right? Mm-hmm. So it could really feel like, man, all of these things are going to and still do prevent me from moving forward, right? And so empowerment is about that, you know, vision of not being in the same space, but knowing that you're the only one that can push you forward in that, you know? And so to kind of allow yourself to start making those, like you said, those small choices or changes, it starts to lift the weight. You know, I always say, hey, when we start working, you're going, obviously you're not going to be where you want to be, but you're going to feel that lightning because you're doing something about it. You're also noticing that the changes that you decide to make, they have an impact on your life or how you're feeling. And so it just goes hand in hand, you know, but you have to, like you said, allow yourself to shift that perspective first before you go anywhere before you do anything, you know, and knowing that even now there's still something within you that is powerful. There's still something within you that has everything you need to move forward um, Mm -hmm. and set those, you know, those actions in place. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, and you talked about uh, meditation earlier, right? And Mm -hmm. and, uh, building a meditation practice has been something that's really helped me in my life in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. And you know, as you're talking, like when I think about the word empowered, like I definitely feel most empowered when I'm sort of grounded and centered Mm -hmm. because to me, I think empowered is, is remembering that like you always have choice. Right. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. one of the big shifts in my life that happened from building my meditation practices, I used to be so reactive to things around me Mm -hmm. that something would happen or someone would say something and I'd like automatically go into either sort of people pleasing and minimizing myself or like the Mm -hmm. opposite even of like, you know, being kind of combative and, and, you know, um, what, you know, and and like, even at work, like sort of like shutting other people down and being like, no, this is the way we're doing it. Like, Mm -hmm. and then afterwards it was this cycle of afterwards, like feeling really shitty about that. And, Mm -hmm. and, and so what, you know, in mindfulness practice and in different styles of meditation, like you cultivate that ability to pause Mm -hmm. and not just react to the thing that's outside of you, but Mm -hmm. to then sort of with that pause, like it gives you the ability to like choose, right? Like, what Mm -hmm. do I want to do here? Um, Do I want to actually agree or disagree? Or do I want to say like, you know, or, you know, even if it's like my boss or something, do I want to say like, mm-hmm. I actually don't have room for that right now, rather than like mm-hmm. feeling like I'm supposed to say like, okay, I'll do it. And then, you know, end up yeah. working myself, you know, like exhausted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, even with that, you know, cause I relate to that feeling of, or just that, that skill that you do build, like, wow, I can actually do that. You know, I can take myself from an, a, a mental or an emotional place and, you know, center myself. And, you know, when I hear you talk about the reactions that you would have, or, you know, the ways that that would show up with other people, that's exactly, you know, when you're dating or when you're in relationships romantically, that's what we're talking about is what happens when some of these emotions that are involved, maybe something that they've done, maybe something that you all are experiencing together. What happens when that shows up? You know, like you said, do you have, you know, the power or the faith in yourself to respond in a different way? Or to allow yourself to, you know, maybe even show up in a more intimate and supportive way to your partner. You know, how do you make that choice in a more constructive way instead of feeling like those emotions or that experience just kind of carried you all to, you know, a point of no return? 
Um, so that's definitely kind of where the work is. Like you said, how do we build that skill and awareness that there's a choice here, but we can in that moment choose something different, mm. you know, and the feeling that that gives you, you know, of getting better and better at that. Or again, the, the influence and the impact those changes have, it only empowers you more. Right. And then you only continue to keep going and, you know, know that you're the one changing it. Like that's the, that is the biggest part. It's like, you're the one making it better. Um, that's big. Hmm. Yeah. And I also think about that, like in relationship, right? Like cultivating that sense of choice and that like reminder, even that, that mm-hmm. you're constantly choosing. I think that also like alleviates like in a lot of relationships, it's so easy that like something happens Mm-hmm. and you're not coming from this empowered place. And so you feel like you don't have a choice. Like, well, my partner just did this, right? Mm-hmm. And so then it turns into this blame thing of like, well, I'm mad at the situation mm-hmm. and I'm mad at you because you did the thing or you said this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and like an antidote to that being like, like, like choosing, right? And like, and knowing like, well, it, I participated in getting us here too. And so like- yeah that like can alleviate some of that blame. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do agree that it's going to, it's going to put up that mirror for you, right? Mm. You cannot be empowered without really taking a look at yourself, you know? And so sometimes when you take a look at yourself, you're going to realize, Hey, how do I continue to, again, create the positive and the negative things that are happening? You know, like you said, how, what is my part in this cycle that we're in or the ways that things might, you know, go in a wrong space how do I contribute to that? You know? And so, yeah, sometimes it is about kind of holding up that mirror and kind of taking, you know, accountability for that um, in the best way, because you did, again, when you're able to kind of sit with that, you know, oh, I can also in the opposite way, create something positive, right? Choose a better choice. Um, so it just kind of helps you again, grasp that a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. And I think too, um, like, in, you know, before relationship, like even in dating, mm-hmm. if, you know, someone reaches out and sends you a DM or something happens that you're just, I don't know, like I listen to my gut a lot. Mm-hmm. And when I don't listen to my gut, I lose my power. Yeah. <laughs> and when I listen mm-hmm. to my gut, my power stays with me. So I think it's just, mm-hmm. I just think it's really important to like you guys are saying, like you get to make the choice, right? You make the choice, whether you're going to respond to this message or not, you get to make the choice, whether you're going to go on the date or not, whether you're going to cancel the date or not, whether you're going to join a dating app or whether you're going to delete, like you get to make all those choices. And when you start making the choices that are true and authentic to what you, who you are and what you need in the moment, that's when you gain the empowerment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, that's a snap moment <laughs> because yeah. I, I do. I feel that, you know, like you said, there's something about feeling as though you don't have a choice, you know, or feeling as though you, you know, what you should or shouldn't or what they are saying you should or shouldn't do. And like you said, you have to connect to that navigation system within yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the most, like you said, the most authentic, but just the most satisfying, you know, experiences for you. So, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at that in, in the, like, in the ways of feeling like my 
day-to-day life and like the small things are certainly like under my control and in a place that I'd like them to be. I think what I've been struggling with like lately and a lot of it's related to my work life is like, like that big picture stuff, you know, like um, I remember when I first, when I started with my current therapist now um, almost four years ago, I think, wow, look at me. My, my, uh, Teresa, my uh, relationship with my therapist is the most successful relationship I've ever had. Four years, four years ago. Um, But I remember I saw another therapist, I was like interviewing different therapists, not like interviewing, but you know, having like consultations to see what the best fit was. And this woman that I didn't end up seeing, she like blew my mind because I said, because when I went in and talked about like what I'm looking for and the changes I'm looking to make and and how mm-hmm. I want to work, you know, what type of therapist I'm looking for. Yeah. I said to her, um, I would like to live from a place of gratitude. And mm-hmm. she said, and I thought this was really insightful on her part. She was like, what place do you live from now? Oh. And mm-hmm. I thought for like a really long time. And then I said, obligation. Ah. Mm-hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and like, that's where I was so deeply in my life of like, everything was like, well, I got, you know, like, I'm not really happy at my job, but I like need to do all the things to be able to move up. And maybe then I'll find a job that Mm -hmm. I'm happy with or whatever. And like, same thing in my dating life. And, and I feel a lot more at peace with myself now, but I still have some some of that of like mm-hmm. that stuck feeling that you talked about you know mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know it's it's an ongoing practice I guess but like for you Teresa like how, how like how much of the time do you feel like or would you tell someone that they can expect to feel like everything's great like you know like because because mm-hmm. I think a lot about moving from surviving to thriving yes. like even someone who's thriving, like, I think you're probably not like everything's wonderful a hundred percent of the time. So like, what is, what is reasonable in there? Yeah. I mean, and that's something I always tell my clients as well, you know, whether it be individually or even just in a relationship, you're not headed for a destination, right? Where you're like, okay, we've arrived, you know, no more miles. You are here. You've arrived, right? Like that's not what we're working towards. Um, we're working towards you being able to maintain the life that you want, right? And so, like you said, you do have to identify those those ways that you might be showing up that are, you know, influencing or, or interacting with your life. But you also have to be aware that there's going to be things that you cannot predict, right? That you cannot necessarily plan for. Um, and so, within that, it's all about again building those systems or those habits that. Even if something does come my way, I know how I'll handle it. Or even if, you know, we're at a place in the relationship where, you know, this happens, even if it's something we've never even realized before, we've never experienced before, this is what we would start with doing, right? This is a plan or this is a tool or this is something that we would respond with, right? Because it's that, that I don't know what I would do feeling that makes people most feel stuck, right? It's mm-hmm. like, if this were to happen or, you know, maybe with the goal that you you have, right? I have no idea what to do or I have no idea where to start. That's the most, you know, disempowered place to be, you know, or unempowered place to be is I don't know any of it. So it's more about those tools that you feel like, again, if you do get to a place where, hey, 
I was a little bit more confident than I used, or I'm a little bit less confident than I used to be. You know, what do I do now? Well, when I'm feeling less confident, this is how I get it back up. Mm. Right. Or man, we used to be a lot more connected than this. Okay. Well, whenever we don't feel as connected, this is what we do. This is how we create a spark or this is how we get back together. Um, Or, you know, within work, man, I'm tired. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm overwhelmed. Well, when that happens in my life, this is exactly what I do. Um, So again, for me, it's not necessarily that you've got to a place where nothing happens and you're, you're good to go and everything's okay. It's more about what are the things that I know I'm equipped with, that I know my relationship is equipped with that we can respond at the very least with step one, two, or three, you know, that I have again, whether it's in my back pocket or the daily and lifestyle habits that we have that help us, you know, maintain mm-hmm. and like yeah. I said, thrive as well. Absolutely. And well, I love how practical and sort of pragmatic that is. Right. And I think about too, you know, I'm currently teaching a class on sort of health education and behavior change to a bunch of undergrads. And so it's really fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think about like the principle of like that once a behavior becomes a habit, it's free. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't take any effort anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I, you know, like when you talk about developing systems and like even, Mm -hmm. you know, either with yourself or even with your partner of like, Hey, when this we start feeling we disconnected, can. yeah, we just, yeah. boom, we have the thing that we know we do. And then it's, it's yes. not a whole, like, now we have to sit down and talk about what are we going to do and right. how I'm feeling and how we got here or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, hey, let's yes. just reconnect. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast. I don't think it was Brene Brown's podcast, but mm-hmm. I think it was Tim Ferriss's mm-hmm. podcast and Brene Brown was the guest, mm-hmm. but she was saying, and I love this so much. She was saying that she and her husband, um, they check in every day mm-hmm. when he gets home from work or when she gets home from her office or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, where are you at? And he's like, I'm at a 30%. And she's like, okay, I'm at a 60%. So I'll make dinner. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. and then the next day she'll be like, okay, I, I'm at like a 0%. And he's like, well, I'm also at a 0%. And they're like, all right, take out. <laughs> and I mean, it's like yeah. something just as simple as yeah. that of just mm-hmm. knowing that, like, you know, like just finding ways to, I don't know, just to mm-hmm. make things more simple than they can't or. Yeah. Yeah. How do and I that sentence? Then they <laughs> more, s- more simple. Period. Yeah, period. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, and you know, and that's, again, when I, when I say the word system, that's a system, right? That's an example of something that I'm sure came from a tumultuous place where they're like, no, you make dinner. No, forget you. Like, I, I'm tired. Or what? What do you mean? You don't understand what I just went through? Or, right? I'm sure that's a conversation they had as well. And so from that experience, again, we're talking about resilience. When that came up, right, they decided, okay, the system we're going to create now so that we don't get to that overwhelmed place so that we're not, you know, just oblivious to each other is let's check in, you know, mm-hmm. let's, you know, like you said, give it a, a name or a system, right? The percentages or, you know, I've even offered, you know, to clients like that red light, green light, you know, type of thing, or, you know, this was a high, medium or low situation, right? Giving yourself ways to like you said, identify and check in. That's a that's a system that they created in their relationship that helps them maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't say, "Man, we just 
we don't know anything about each other and we're just, we're going to stop there. They said, well, you know, hey, let's figure that out. Let's add something or, you know, change something that helps us not get to that place again. Mm. That's a great example. I love her too. <laughs> I know. She's amazing. <laughs> well, and, and so, you know, as we're talking about empowerment, like, um, you know, so what I want to sort of bring into the conversation is, is the way in which sort of power is kind of inequitably distributed, right? And so Leanna mm-hmm. and I are two white, heterosexual, cisgender, you know, people doing this podcast, right? And so me as a, as a white, hetero, cisgender man, um, I, I am allocated all kinds of privilege and, and power in ways that I, you know, that I certainly didn't earn. Like, and I, and I see that show up at work the way I can speak my mind in a way without sort of being labeled as difficult or whatever, um, that some of my women colleagues and, and fact, you know, and, and, and colleagues of color Mm-hmm. don't have that privilege. Right. Um, and so I'm curious for you, Teresa, like, can you share how your identity shows up for you in your professional relationship or, mm-hmm. or in your professional like world life and yeah. maybe also your like relational life? Um, mm-hmm. and, and also how you see it impact your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say first, like, you know, with my professional life, um, Therapy in general, you know, especially with the identity of being a black therapist, um, one, I think it shows up in just the availability and, you know, the limitation of black therapists in the mm-hmm. field. Um, and so those who are, you know, looking for a therapist that identifies in that way, it's really difficult, you know, to do that. But even, you know, operating in a space where, you know, you may be the only black therapist in a, in a conference room or, you know, you may be the only black therapist at the agency that you work at, um, that even that um, that space and just operating within that experience, it does really influence you. It influences me. Um, but also, I think it really does come in even just the general idea about therapy within my own community. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of what I like I mentioned, what I started therapy and the intentions of starting therapy were to help the people around me um, and in my community and in, in my life. And so um Sometimes it's a little difficult whenever I do, um, whether that be encourage or, you know, offer that as a solution, you know, to people in the black community, there's not a lot of acceptance. Um, yes, I, I definitely think there's a lot more of, of that awareness being built up. And I love that there's a lot more of that acceptance overall. Um, but I think specifically, you know, with, again, with the black community, there is sometimes a fear or, you know, even just us being skeptical around professional help, right? That's unfortunate. You know, it's definitely based in past experiences, but even just the overall uh, belief system as well. So I think that's a lot of where it kind of shows up in more of my professional life is mm-hmm. one, just navigating the career field as, you know, a black a black therapist and even the limitations that that has, um, but also within helping and serving the black community, just the interaction of, beliefs and just general ideas about therapy. Um, it can be difficult to navigate through, but I'm definitely de- dedicated to, to do so. Um, mm. So, and then I would say, you know, within my own personal dating and even just relationship, I would say, you know, navigating the spaces as a black woman, um, there's a lot of different messages about how you should see yourself, about, you know, the value that you should place upon yourself within, whether that be dating, right? So whether someone finds you beautiful or not, or um, whether someone would choose 
you. Um, but also the idea of being married as well. That's something that's specific, you know, when it comes to black women, there are, you know, are very, there are a lot of disproportionate rates of marriage and um, even, you know, long-term marriages in black neighborhoods and in black communities. And so just the example of a healthy and, you know, with longstanding relationship or marriage can be, um, you know, not necessarily there or limiting. And so even navigating that around, how do I recreate something that I haven't seen just yet? Um, mm. That can be difficult, but also again, like the messages that you might receive around yourself and the value that you have and even beginning dating. Mm. Um, but even within, you know, my marriage and relationship, I would say navigating the world and, you know, the space with my husband, he's a black man. Um, and so that also has a lot of different implications as well. And whether that be um, even just safety and the perception of us when we're, you know, date night, you know, or even just helping him and being a partner to him and how parts of his navigating the world as a black man, how that really shows up in his life and his ability to, like you said, uh, decompress or how much that fills up his cup. Mm -hmm. um, and so being a partner to a black man can definitely have, um, you know, different implications around, again, what's involved in supporting them, what's involved in working through that space and navigating that space with them as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would be kind of, again, more of how I, you know, it interacts in my own dating life or even my own relationship. Um, but also I would say, you know, again, when it comes to my relationship, how you, how you feel, whether it be empowered or even um, proud about just being a black couple and teaching that to your children or teaching that to others around you. Um, again, there are so many messages around what black relationships are like to people who are, you know, of black and African descent, what that really is like, you know, whether that be in movies or, you know, on the media or things like that, you get a lot of messages. And so you have to combat the negative ones um, on a consistent basis, whether that be in your own belief system or, you know, within your household to really try to offset some of the things that maybe your children are um, ingesting, you know, whether it be on their phones or when, yeah, when they step outside. And so, again, I would say that a lot of it is kind of how you navigate a space that um, whether that be has just a limiting um, amount of influence or, you know, just healthy messaging or even how you have to combat that experience in your own personal life or beliefs or, you know, how it might interact in your relationship. Hmm. Um, and then lastly, you know, when it comes to my clients, um, mm -hmm. A lot of what I, I work with, especially when it comes to, you know, specifically black couples um, is kind of just that. Right. Like I mentioned, you know, how do we operate in whether it be a nation in a city in a state that, you know, we consistently have to fight against or we consistently have to prove our value or prove our worthiness to really exist in that space. And so um, it's not always about the the interaction again of, of that of them and the outward society, but just within the relationship, how do they not allow that to influence their own sense of who their partner is to them, you know, or who they can be when they show up in a relationship. Sometimes whenever you are, you know, taught to build systems around again, fighting against something or navigating a system, you take that into your relationship. And so sometimes mm -hmm. there are ba barriers, sometimes there's boundaries or things that, you know, might already be included that will prevent a sense of vulnerability or prevent a sense of uh, authenticity, even, you know, within a relationship. 
Um, but also even, again, the empowerment as well. That's something that can really weigh on Black couples is when I don't necessarily feel I have power in my outside world or the, the life that I'm living outside of my home, I really, you know, I may not have a lot of power in my own relationships. Mm-hmm. Or again, it's an even more needed space to have power and agency and feel as though you can create your life. Um, you don't get that in other places. Um, and so that's, again, a little bit more of where that might show up in my work is from that place of navigating the, the world, you know, or the outward society as a black person, but also how you might internalize those things and, you know, having to create even systems within your own relationship or your own life to heal from that and, you know, balance it out really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that, you know, it's really helpful for me to hear that, to be reminded of like how much privilege I have, mm-hmm. you know, that, mm-hmm. um, even though I have struggles here and there, like I don't have what black people have on top of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Of like mm-hmm. of that extra weight that they're carrying mm-hmm. around with them because of our culture or mm-hmm. our society and what we're being told. And mm-hmm. um, I'm curious, you know, I don't know if you're aware of any of like the statistics and dating apps or mm-hmm. how dating might be different for people mm. of color, but mm-hmm. I have, I've heard, I don't know the, um, the, uh, truth. <laughs> like, the, like the specific data. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I've heard that people of color have, much lower rates of Mm -hmm. matches on Mm -hmm. dating apps. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Are you, do you work with a lot of single um, Mm -hmm. people of color and what are maybe some different difficulties that they go through versus like me as a white person? Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, I do work with, you know, some dating um, individuals, but I also, you know, have friends and family who, you know, are dating as well. And so, you know, just from those experiences, a lot of what I hear is, like I was mentioning before, kind of the availability. So um, I don't know, especially when you have a a pool of people who decide to even make a dating profile, um, you know, especially when it's something that, maybe you're new to, or, you know, you may not necessarily live in a place that has a lot of um, people of your same race, or, you know, sometimes there's not a lot of that just overall availability, right, mm-hmm. of black people or people of color on the app. Um, but also, I would say a lot of it is kind of trying to navigate the authenticity of those who do reach out to you, you know, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to, you know, people who are in your DMs or you match with, or maybe even interracially, sometimes they're is that consideration of, is this person interested in me? Or are they interested in, you know, my, my skin color, right? Are they interested in really engaging in my life and what blackness really is? Or are they interested in what it looks like? And, you know, the idea they have of it. Um, and so that's something that, again, with, with social media or even with dating apps, you know, you might even see, you know, um, I don't know what people, what they'll kind of phrase it as, but kind of just like open to all races or, you know, that type of mm-hmm. idea. But mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, you know, what does that actually mean? You know, sometimes I've found my clients or people who are really dating and really wanting those, you know, true and authentic, you know, opportunities. Sometimes they get really 
let down by the idea of, okay, they're really more pursuing myself or my culture is more of a fetish or, you know, something that's just unhealthy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that could be a very specific, you know, experience for people of color, you know, in the dating app world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine, right. Like it would be, if you kind of click with someone and start talking, like if, if they, if, you know, they're of a different race than you. And if they, if they, if what you find out is they only ever date, you know, women or people of as one specific race, like then mm-hmm. that could be kind of a warning sign because of that, like fetishizing thing mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Right. And if, mm-hmm. and on the other end, I can imagine like, if they've like never dated someone outside their race before, like that's mm-hmm. a whole other like consideration of like, does this person know what they're getting into? How mm-hmm. much am I going to have to explain my lived experience to this person? And will that be kind of an obstacle to us understanding each other? And yeah. Yeah. But also, you know, have they done the personal work to approach those conversations in the best way? Yeah. Um, because wow. I think, what happens is, is that there's, there's the expectation that you're, you know, as a person of color is supposed to hold, hold their hand, right? White people's hands with, okay, mm-hmm. how do you, you know, have this conversation or, you know, how do I not get offended, you know, or, you know, you, you're kind of taught that that's your space and your responsibility. And I don't believe that, right? I think it's so important for, you know, white people to do their own personal work so that when they do show up in spaces with people of color, they're already prepared, right? Mm -hmm. They're not asking for something from them, Um, but more to say, hey, we show up in this space and let's operate in the healthiest way. So again, that could also be, you know, something that comes up is not just, oh, should we have this conversation, but have they done the personal work to have this in the, in the healthiest way, you know, and in the most respectful way or, you know, in a way that is informed. And that's not always the case. You can have the best intentions, but you still have to back that up with how do I, you know, pursue those intentions in the best, best way for everyone. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, and I, I think what you're speaking to that's really resonating for me is like the, you know, concept of like emotional labor, right. And how often yeah. mm-hmm. that is put upon the people who have mm-hmm. oppressed identities. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I see that in my work, like the, the professionals of color that I work with are sort of assumed automatically that they will kind of do things above and beyond to be mentors to our students of color in ways that aren't expected of me and, and other things like that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm also realizing like, I, I want to check in like, cause we sort of uh, did that. Like, like, I guess the question is like, have I know, we done are we that doing to you? that to you in, right in, now? <laughs> absolutely not. No, okay. no, 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 absolutely not. And I appreciate that. You know, it's okay to definitely check in with that, but no, absolutely not. Um, you know, and I am now at a space and, you know, at a time where I would have said something, right. If that is something that would have happened. Right. And I think that's, that's more of our responsibility, right. Is to acknowledge our lived experience a little bit more because, you know, we have been taught to kind of diminish that or to, uh, fit it in a more palatable box, right. Or a more palatable thing. And so it is important for, you know, people of color to have the ability to say, hey, no, that wasn't right. The way that you said that or, you know, the way that we're having this conversation is not okay. But again, we know we shouldn't necessarily have to lead that. We shouldn't have to lead the charge and how to do it and when and where and, you know, those things. So, but no, I appreciate you all checking in. That's that's not how I felt at all. <laughs> no, no, well, no. Because, yeah, and, and 
I think what's true is like, and I've, I've had to recognize this and kind of check it in myself. Right. Is, mm-hmm. is like, yeah. like white fragility is a real thing mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. like, you know, that, um, you know, like if people haven't done the work going into those conversations and mm-hmm. then to them, uh, you know, someone sort of talking about implicit bias or, or mm-hmm. like, or someone saying like, Hey, some of that shit that you say and think like might be kind of racist is like, mm-hmm. that's like the, the most horrible thing imaginable. And like, cause they're mm-hmm. so, and a lot of white people, me included can be so sort of fragile mm-hmm. entering into those conversations. And I think if we don't do our own work, like you said, before entering into them, we're oftentimes recreating and perpetuating some of the like systemic mm-hmm. problems within mm-hmm. those actual conversations. Sure. Because I mean, I'm sure it could be, it could then be said that, you know, if you don't necessarily go into that, that situation prepared, then you probably are going to get what you were most afraid of. Right. Or you may all, you know, also make a mistake or even, yeah, do something that, might say, hey, no, that was messed up. Like, what's going on here, right? So I agree that it could definitely maybe perpetuate that idea of, yeah, I shouldn't have those conversations or, you know, we really shouldn't, you know, do that work because look at how it went. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely understand and, and agree with that that sense of accountability. Yeah. And I think it's really important too for, like, for me, I was just very oblivious to to systematic racism Mm -hmm. and and i you know i have a black brother-in-law and i have a biracial niece Mm -hmm. and um you know so i've always been um an advocate for the black community but Mm -hmm. i just didn't realize how much not an advocate i was (laughs) you know because i was like oh yeah i'm an advocate i'm an advocate but really i had really not a lot of knowledge about Mm -hmm. what was really happening until Mm -hmm. Trump got into office. And then it just kind of all started flooding up even more of Mm -hmm. the uh, brutality from police and and all these things that had been happening for so long, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. That I think, you know, myself and probably a lot of other white people just turned a a blind eye to because Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to do that than it is to admit that you have some racism, sure. right? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's important, you know, I, I for me, my growth has been, okay, um, so this is, this is kind of this thought that's ingrained in me. I need to, I need to work on changing that, mm-hmm. right? So um, I'm going to listen to this podcast or I'm going to read this book or um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna talk to my my friend, to my white friend, to see, you know, mm-hmm. what are you dealing with? And um, I guess my question is: There's a lot of people who maybe were me a few years back that just mm-hmm. they aren't aware. They aren't aware, mm-hmm. and maybe you know they have good intentions. <sighs> what are ways that they can? Like, I guess, if would it be like they need to be okay if they're talking with a, a black person and they're mm-hmm. asking them questions, and the black person is just like, you know what, honestly, like, I don't really want to explain this to you. I don't have to explain this to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you should go do research on your own. 
Mm-hmm. And then they just need to be okay with that. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it can be one, it could be very natural, like you said, to have people in your life where you're like, whoa, I just found all of this out. Are you okay? What's going on? What, so what do I do? How, you know, you know, to feel like you have to catch up and to feel like you have to get all of that. And of course, you, you know, you identify them as a source and you identify them as, you know, a direct path to that. Um, but also, yeah, I agree that you have to be open and willing for them to say, you know, I have a certain spot, you know, reserved for that, or I have a certain boundary around that, you know, but also to take ownership of that from the very beginning, right? I think, you know, when you're at a place where you're just realizing like, okay, I'm now being more aware of this, allowing yourself to take accountability, like you said, of your own sense of bias or your the ways that you might interact with the system, um, but also ways that you can start to educate yourself just taking ownership of that, that that's something that needs to happen for you, not mm-hmm. just for other people, not just that you can help the other black people in your life or, but that you take ownership of that in your own personal journey. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is something that becomes more of a priority for you just in your life as a white person, not mm-hmm. because you have black friends, not because there's, you know, other people around, but that that's ownership that you take. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that also helps because then you start to pursue it, whether there are black people in your life or not. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, when it comes to kind of the flip side, right. I'm taught as a black woman of how to operate within a white world, whether I'm there or not, whether I choose or not. It was something I was taught to accept as my own responsibility in navigating Mm -hmm. the world. Now, some of that was destructive, but some of it, again, is about holding yourself accountable and just that Mm -hmm. self-awareness. And so to bring that that around of when you are at a place where, man, I'm just realizing this, take ownership of it as a personal journey, as something you choose as a priority in your life. And then, you know, you can kind of take that into, okay, how does it interact with the other people in my life? and yeah, being okay with being uncomfortable, being okay with being hurt by the things that are happening. Um, I know that a lot of my my white clients they're having difficulties kind of reconciling the ways that they have participated in you know a system of racism, whether that be knowingly or not. So what that really means for your own sense of self and the way you see yourself and the again the racism you might have inherited, and you know doing work with that. You know, it's just like finding out you have, you know, a certain flaw or, you know, certain things that you don't like about yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. This is just another thing. So how do you reconcile the other things in your life around that, too? Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of my my, you know, suggestion is especially when you're first kind of opening your eyes to this, knowing that, you know, accepting it as your own personal journey, not for other people, but also, yeah, having the space to say, you know, I may be on my own. And I may have to find the answers on my own. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that, like, I, I feel like that so beautifully kind of ties it all the way back around to where we mm-hmm. began with resilience and empowerment, right? Of like, yeah. you know, I think for so many, like, and, and um, I've, t- I've been thinking a lot and talking a lot with people in my life over the past couple of months about like sort of shadow work, right? And understanding mm-hmm. the shadow side that we all have and like, mm-hmm. and I, and I, I think about for me, the more 
to some part of me, it's always been really important that others have a certain image of me, right? And oh, and yeah. and when you live like in that way, right? There's all mm-hmm. these sort of shadow elements that you try to push aside and pretend like they're not there. And you know, and when I when yeah. you were talking, Leanne, I was thinking about how easy it is for so many white people, and and I I did this for a very long time, and and still do this, I'm sure, in some ways of like it's easier to believe the myth that we've all been told about like America is this like land of opportunity and everyone, you know, is, you know, decides their own destiny. And if someone's not doing well, that's because of their fault or whatever. Um, and the work is really like to, to look at that. And, and I, and, and when I was thinking about that, Teresa, I thought about some of the things you said at the very beginning of the podcast of like, um, of resilience of like recognizing, okay, well, there's things that happened in the past mm-hmm. and to not sort of like live in that place, but to learn from that place and move forward. And like, now how are we, you know, how are we going okay. to be better? And mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know. I just like, as you were talking just a moment ago, I was really struck by how much like resilience and empowerment while being so key in relationships and everyone's own Mm -hmm. emotional health are I think really important keys like as we confront the issues facing our country together like right now I don't know absolutely yeah yeah I love how you just tied that up with a little little bit (laughs) he always does that I'm always the one over here I'm like (laughs) and he's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, Teresa, this has been amazing. Um, oh, yes, I really appreciate great. you and your time mm-hmm. and your words of wisdom and Thank your you. vulnerability and openness about being a black woman. And mm-hmm. um, we have a new tradition now where we end with um, wanting to know something that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. Something I'm grateful for. I would say just the ability to help others um, with my own lived experience. Sometimes you don't, you know, you don't know what to do with it or, you you know, sometimes you don't really know what your purpose is. And I, I got that very quickly. And so I'm just grateful for, you know, kind of honing in on that and seeing it happen, right. Seeing it, you know, actually help other people is something I'm definitely grateful for. So Mm. it shows up in my life a lot. So I, I just appreciate it. I love that. Well, where can our listeners find you? Yes, absolutely. So I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram um, as well as Facebook um, at Resilient Love Therapy. Um, I also have a website, www.resilientlovetherapy.com. And that's where you can kind of see more about the practice and even just the the services that I do offer and signing up for a consultation and things like that are all on the website too. So, um, but yeah, that's where they can find me. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you. you. This was great. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. All right. Bye-bye. There you have it. That's it. Thank you, Teresa. You were amazing. We're so glad that you came on the podcast and showed up and gave us your time. And um, I'm so glad that our listeners were able to like feel and hear your beauty. Mm-hmm. She just like when we were sitting there listening to her, like she just her beauty just like radiated. Yeah, and like a very like warm, genuine, yes. soothing presence. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So sure. again, go follow her on Instagram at Resilient Love Therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna talk about what we're grateful for. Yay.
I'll go first. <laughs> okay, you go first. Um, because mine, are, mine is silly. Um, I'm really grateful for joggers. Like I, Oh, jogger pants? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking like jogger people. Oh, like people out yeah. in the world jogging. <laughs> no, I'm sometimes one of those people. Um, but yeah, I've really, I've really dived into ash, a- athleisure as a mm. lifestyle. You have. Your look has changed a lot. It's so wonderful. Ever since you invested in Lululemon. <laughs> so I will say, though, I bought, I, I, in the past six months, I bought two pairs of jaggers, um, Lululemon and uh, Target. And I'm wearing the Targets now, and I think I might prefer them a little bit. I have a Target pair of joggers, and I can't take them off. I will say, like... Uh, they do pill easy, though. Mm, mine yeah. are still new enough that I'm not running into that. I will say, guys, Target Signature Fleece, I believe. Mm. It's, like, their, their highest end mm, joggers. Like, like $40? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got them on sale, though. Um, but, yeah, I love them. I love, I love being comfortable. It's just... Mm. It's wonderful. I think I am grateful for the what the vaccine allows us to do now. Yes. Um, you know, I took a bath with my niece Aww. tonight because I get to see her more because like almost everyone in my family is vaccinated and mm-hmm. you know, I just get to be around her more and it sounds like we're heading into the direction of maybe coming into normal life again. And I'm just so grateful for all of the amazing scientists out there and companies and people who have funded this and donated. And I mean, it's pretty incredible when you think about it, that they created a uh, vaccine in less than a year. It's It's incredible. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. So I'm just, yeah, I feel really hopeful for what's to come. And I have high hopes for, for 2021. Let's do Yay. it. Yay! All right, guys, go follow us on Instagram at Hello and Goodbye Podcast at underscore Lana Joan at the real Jared Rodriguez. You can find all of the links to our sponsors, our social, um, and anything else on our website, www.hellongoodbyepodcast.com. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.